I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. On today's episode, Liz and I welcome Dr. Mark Ogletree to the show. Mark shares all kinds of tips for dating, engaged, and newlywed couples, but these great tips apply to all couples. Mark is a professional educator, having taught for over 20 years. Since 2010, he has worked as a professor in the Department of Church History and Doctrine at Brigham Young University. He's also a licensed professional counselor, having worked with individuals, couples, and families for the past 30 years. Mark is the author of books and articles on marriage and family topics and is part of a podcast called Preserving Families. Mark and his wife, Jeannie, have been married for 35 years. They are the parents of eight children and 22 grandchildren. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey friends, the doctors are in the house. Welcome to the Stronger Marriage Connection I'm Dr. Dave here at Utah State University alongside clinical psychologist Dr. Liz Hale, and we are bringing you the best research, the best resources, the tips and tools to help you have the marriage of your dreams. And oh man, super excited for our discussion today on preparing for marriage and surviving the first year. And we've got one of the best experts on this topic with us today. Mark Ogletree is a professor. He's an author. You'll see his books, Finding Peace in Difficult Times, Babysitters Are Cheaper Than Divorces. <laughs> I love that one, by the way. So You're in Love, Now What? Other books, articles, all kinds of stuff that this guy has written. He's a licensed clinical, uh, licensed professional counselor. He's worked with individuals, couples, and families for the past 30 years. And I should also mention he has his own podcast, Preserving Families. Uh, Mark, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you so much, uh, Dave and Liz. Thanks for having me today. Mm, yeah, a pleasure. Grateful to have you. Hey, I should have also mentioned that you and your wife, Jeannie, have eight children and 22 grandchildren. So you know quite a bit about families and our topic today, preparing for marriage and surviving the first year, right? Well, you would hope so, right? You would hope so. What I worry about is the older we get, the less we, we know, right? But uh, yeah. every every grandkid teaches us something new, so... Yeah. Anyway, but it's it's awesome. It's a it's an awesome experience, and we love it. Oh, that's great! Can't wait to hear more about it. All right. Sometimes I think many couples who are in love or they are engaged, and they hear the word premarital education, and they think, "Why would we ever need that? We're in love, right? We have the same things. That we both listen to country music. We both like Diet Dr Pepper. I mean, we're about <laughs> as compatible as can be. So, what do you tell couples who are in love? that they could possibly benefit for some from some premarital education. It's all it's it's really interesting uh something Victor Klein said. I don't know if you guys remember Victor Klein, the great oh, yeah. great oh, psychologist yeah. from years ago, but he said that it was interesting that in our country it takes 2 years to get a plumber's license, but to get a marriage license you just have to go right down to the you know to the courthouse and you're done in about 30 minutes, you know, and and then he, then he said something along the lines that we take, we spend more time in our country preparing people to fix toilets than to, to have happy marriages. 
And so I think today we just live in an era now that it's not it's not as family friendly as it used to be. And the culture almost runs against the family in some ways and against marriage. And so I think today that couples have to have skills. I think they have to have skills and tools if they're going to be successful. And that is that's one of the advantages of any kind of premarital type of education or programs is that all of a sudden they're learning some of the tools and skills that they'll need that they had no idea, had no idea that they would need, but they, but they're definitely needed. Yeah. And they often find out right after the fact, after they're like, <laughs> oh man, in the thick of it now, now, now I need some help. Right. Totally. Totally. It's interesting, you know, doing three decades of marriage and family therapy now, Mark and Dave, it's so interesting how seldom couples come in for pre-marriage therapy. And yet I market it as that, right? Marriage, pre-marriage, because of that very thing you mentioned, Dave, is we think, oh, our love will survive, right? We're unique. We're different. And yet, and, and it's true, all couples are different, but we can all take advantage of, of those skills. You know, on StrongerMarriage.org, we have some free assessments for, for young couples, for, I should say, not even young. I was old when I got married. So any of us who are, who are getting married, the Relate Assessment and the Ready Assessment, listeners can find them easily. Do you recommend couples take time to discover more about each other through these types of assessments, I imagine? Yeah, I would think that those assessments are wonderful. I mean, they provide information for couples that are so useful. I'll give you an example. I Years ago, so we lived in Dallas for about 10 years in the Dallas area, and uh, I remember uh, one of the couples that I saw, he was like a pediatric neurologist or some some very specific nuanced title for uh, some specialized surgeon. But what he did is he operated on babies and uh, he came home one day and uh, told his wife that uh, he will he does not want to have children. Now, they'd been married for three or four years, you know, and he kind of said, you know, after all my medical school training and some of the cases I've been involved in, I just don't know if I'm I'm up for that. I just don't want to do that. Well, this was a good Christian lady from Arkansas, and all she had ever dreamed of her whole life was having a child, you know, having children, having a family, and that would have been really nice to have had that conversation before they got married, you know. Or another couple I'm thinking of that uh, he got an awesome job offer, you know, and he was going to have to. They were going to move to the Pacific Northwest. But then his wife informs him, oh, I'm not I'm not leaving here. I'm not I'm never leaving Utah ever. And uh, once again, that would have been a really great conversation to have before, because those are those are getting into now the fundamental issues. This is no longer pizza toppings and and uh, Diet Dr. Pepper. This is uh, the heavy duty stuff. And and those assessments are really helpful at ad- identifying a lot of a lot of specific areas. And, and of course, we want couples talking about those assessments after they take them so that they can learn some of these things about each other that are so crucial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are some of the fundamentals, aren't they? Yeah. And they typically don't come out in dating when we're having fun, enjoying each other, right? The romance is high. Exactly. In fact, could I share something with you guys? Um, you know, because we get this a lot, you know, I, I teach a class on preparing for marriage at BYU and and Dave, kind of to what you said a minute ago about, you know, about pizza toppings and we like the same music. And, you know, I can honestly tell you that after 30 something years of marriage, I don't I don't think my wife and I will ever watch a movie together. You know, it's just not going to happen because what I want to watch, what she wants to watch just are not going to jive. Right. It's she wants yeah. to watch something romantic and 
and dramatic and I'm after a long day for myself, give me dumb and dumber or uh, I just want to laugh and go to sleep. Right. Or, but yeah. we're happily married, you know, we're very happily married. And, uh, here's what I tell my students and, and, and I'd, I'd love to hear what you guys think about this, but I call these kind of the 12 core traits. And if these core traits are there, then you can build a marriage on that. And you don't have to worry about the pizza topping thing or that we can't watch movies together. Number one, spirituality, religion, values, beliefs. You know, if you wanted to put it all in one category, I think gender roles and responsibilities would be number two. These are not in order. Family, parenting, what kind of family do we want to have? What kind of parenting skills? Number four, education and career. That's that's a whole, there's multiple layers to that. Morals and ethics. I can tell you stories about that one. Um, just work ethic and discipline, uh, intimacy and relationships, health and fitness, money, finances, um, in-laws and parents. And then just, I put for number 12, I know that I didn't number all of those, but just kindness and community outreach and how, how much, how do we, much do we care about other people? Are we going to, I remember one of the first weeks we were married, my wife said, let's go visit these people. We haven't seen them in a while. And I thought, really, we're going to, that's who we're going to be. We're going to go talk to people and see people and help people. And, and uh, she's like, yeah, that's what we're going to do. Okay. I I didn't even think of that, but sure we could, we, we'll help people. Let's help people. But if those traits are there, I think that you can build on that, you know, even though you may be different in some of those other areas that are a little bit smaller. Yeah. Uh, I really like that. It, it, having that foundation. I mean, let's, let's dive right into some of these important um, topics that, that newlyweds and, and first, you know, a few years of marriage that they need to be discussing and negotiating because sometimes you're going to get this red personality. That's like, no, this is how we do things. And on Christmas, <laughs> we're going to my house and, you know, marrying another red personality that, Sometimes we're going to clash. We're not going to see things um, eye to eye. And I, our daughter, our oldest, was just married a few months ago this past summer, Mark. And and so she's in the first year of marriage working through some of these these first, if you will, of going through this. And I should mention, by the way, I actually paid for her to have six, uh, go through premarital uh, counseling with a counselor, yeah. six sessions to go through and hammer these topics. And then I love that this counselor, he does one after like three months of marriage, then they go back. And they say, okay, how are, how are things now? So I, I think it's really wise. So, so with that kind of a setup and some of the things you've talked about, let, let's drill down into some of these and give us some examples of, of why it's so important uh, to tackle some of these on your list. Here, here's one for you. Um, I had a student in one of my classes years ago that stopped me walking across campus. And uh, he said, I have a question for you. Well, no, he said first, hey, I'm engaged. And I go, that's wonderful. Congratulations. Super cool. And he said, I have a question for you. And he goes, the girl that I'm engaged to wants to be a doctor. And uh, he said, what do you think about that? <laughs> I said, it, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, what I think about that doesn't matter. I think that's great. But I, I think what matters is what you and her think about that together. And uh, he said, I just never dreamed that my wife would be the one that would probably be making all the money. And I'd maybe be home with the kids or doing and, or taking a lesser role. And I said, you know what? It's it's just whatever works for 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 you as a couple. About a year later, I saw him at a restaurant here in town, and he was just by himself. And I was with my family, and I I saw him, and I said, "Hey, how's married life?" And he said, "Hey, come here for a minute." And he pulled me off to the side, and he said, "You know those those roles and responsibilities." He said that that did not work for us, you know. 
And they ended up being divorced after like six months of marriage. But it just, you know, and so once again, I always tell people, you know, on, on gender roles, responsibilities, it doesn't matter. You know, it, it doesn't like to the three of us on this podcast, it doesn't matter what what our students, our clients decide to do. It's it's what's best for them, but they better, better make sure there's some alignment with themselves and the person that they're marrying because that becomes crucial. You know, that'd be, I think that'd be an example of gender roles. Another one, here's one that I'm seeing today that I never, you know, never would have seen 20 or 30 years ago, but now our students are saying, I need to date someone that feels politically the same way that I feel because there's so much divisiveness and so many strong feelings that go along with politics today where maybe 10 or 20 years ago, that wasn't so much of an issue, you know? So another one that for us that was interesting is health and fitness. I grew up in a home where we were, you know, we all played sports and that was kind of our family culture sitting at baseball games every night, watching each other and our dad coaching us and, and uh, my wife had a family where her brothers did that, but the the, the 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 daughters not as much. But I remember we were jogging one day five five days after we were married. We were jogging, and my wife stopped in her tracks, and I said, "What's wrong?" She goes, "I hate this." I go, "Oh, you hate jogging today?" And she said, "No, I hate jogging forever." She said, "I'm never doing this again." I go, wait, we've been jogging for like six months together. This is awesome. And I, I had this dream that uh, my family was going to jog together. We were going to do all these races together and all these events together. And and she said, actually, I just got to be honest with you. I hate jogging, you know? And I said, well, why didn't you tell me? This 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 was catastrophic to me, you know, for her to tell me that. But then I, I thought about it for a few hours and recognized that I loved her for so many other reasons that – if she wanted to go do aerobics or whatever her little exercise was that she liked to do, dance or whatever, that it would be totally fine. But we had to work through that a little bit, you know. Yeah. Another yeah. big one is in-laws and and and, uh, and yeah. parents. That's a huge mm -hmm. one, especially mm -hmm. in our Utah culture where so many people have close families and live close together to their families. And that becomes one where I've heard couples say, I had no idea that his parents were going to be so involved in our in our life or that her parents were going to be so involved in our life. Yeah. Yeah. It, it seems, I mean, I'm getting the theme of this expectations that we have kind of in our, maybe how we were raised and how this is, you know, whether it's sports or another one that I see a lot is um, cooking. You know, I just assume you know, my wife is, she can be the, the one that uh, that cooks and I can go to school or I go to work or whatever. And, and she's going to love cooking and, and cook like my mom did that mm. type of expectation. And I think just being able to, verbalize that and say, Hey, you know, and some of these assessments can bring out some of this expectations in all kinds of areas. Funny story. We had, a um, in our family with eight children, as you could probably guess, we didn't fly a lot of places when we went somewhere we drove and often uh, I drove all through the night because when my kids were sleeping, that was prime time to drive without any craziness in the car, you know? And, and so our family has some pretty famous stories for crazy road trips and, getting stuck in blizzards and cars breaking down. I mean, that's part of our family lore. My son, our son married a girl that her father worked for a major airline and they flew everywhere. I mean, even if it was an hour away uh, by car, they flew there, you know? And I remember the first time we were going on a road trip from here to, to Arizona and she was like giddy. She was like super, she's like, I've never been on a road trip. This is going to be so fun. This is going to be incredible. 
And our kids were just rolling their eyes going, oh, my gosh, this we hate this, you know. And she's like, oh, this is going to be great. She was so excited, you know. And it's just funny, the different cultures, right, and the different backgrounds that we come from, uh, where here's a daughter-in-law thinking this is going to be the greatest thing ever. And here's our kids going, oh, not another one of these road trips, you know. <laughs> That's <laughs> kind of refreshing, isn't it, for your daughter-in-law to be so excited? Yeah, yeah. We, I was like, oh, we got one that's excited. This is great. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Wonderful. You know, you, when the, you mentioned the top 12 there. I know they weren't in any particular order, but what was the top one? You, the first one you did say something about, I don't know if it was religion, but spiritual beliefs. I kind of wrapped it all into spirituality, religion, but values. You know, you could say values and just beliefs. But once again, there would have to be some kind of alignment you know, on that, you know, um, you know, the, because that's the, that's the foundation you're going to build your whole family on, right? You know, your marriage and your family on whatever those values or beliefs are. And so you want there to be some kind of alignment there and some commonality for sure. It can be devastating to a couple, Mark and Dave, as I'm sure you've seen. I think we all know those couples, right? Where religions suddenly take a turn where one's faith is like, you know what? I no longer believe. I no longer want to participate in that. I know that's who I was when you married me, but um, I've changed now. Do you have some faith in that working out well, Mark? What's been your experience? You know, I have dealt with those challenges in my counseling work um, in my practice. And uh, one of the things that we do with those couples, number one, it is, it, it's almost like some kind of betrayal trauma in a lot of ways, you know, uh, these expectations that you had going into a marriage, uh, especially like in an LDS culture where you, you planned on growing old together, having grandkids, going on missions, you know, working in the temple, whatever their hopes and dreams were, have just been shattered now. And now you almost have to redefine, you know, what the relationship is going to be from this point on. Almost every couple that I've seen in this in, with that issue, they, they make it, they survive it. But it's tough, and the a couple that I'm working on with with that issue right now, what we try to do is we okay what what are the common things now? What are the common core values they've changed? okay, but let's still identify the things that still hold you together that you still have, you know, and once again, some couples are are able to do that others others struggle with it, you know um anyway, so that's a tough one, yeah. It, it is not easy. Betrayal is a really a good, a good word for that. Yeah, one. you're right. That's what the, that's what the other spouse feels like anyway. You know. Yeah, exactly. You've changed on me, right? You rewrote the script here. This is not what I signed up for. Yeah, completely. Yeah, you bet. We'll be right back after this brief message. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
And we're back. Well, let's dive right in. It's also normal for engaged couples, I think, to get irritated with each other, right? At least my husband and I certainly did prior <laughs> to marriage. Uh, the planning, the wedding, uh, who's going to go where and who's invited, who isn't, and um, jobs, school. I got married at 50, so it was a little bit different. Um, but younger couples certainly have a lot to talk about. How, how normal is that to struggle from the get-go? I once heard that. Once you're engaged, the marriage has really begun. I think Bill Doherty talks about that. <laughs> Things have already started. I believe that. I think that, you know, it's really interesting as a metaphor. We have, you know, of our eight children, I think three of them had jaundice pretty bad, you know, and I'm not a medical doctor and you guys may know more about this than I do, but I believe that as it was explained to us, it was two blood types from a mom and dad melding to, you know, to that child. And it was kind of working on that child in an adverse way. And I think of that a little bit as I think of two lives, you know, two couples coming together and they're melding these two lives together. And it's not always easy because of the culture and the traditions and the beliefs and the and the values. And uh, I remember actually getting into an argument with my wife before we got married because she asked me what kind of car I was going to drive. And I just don't care about cars that much. I mean, I really don't. I care about boats a lot, but I don't care about much about cars. But when I told her that I didn't care, she really got offended by that. And she said, what, you wait, you're going to be like a marriage and family therapist or a professor or whatever. You're, and you're just going to drive a piece of crud used truck to work. And I said, yeah, yeah. And that just really made her mad, you know. And uh, But, you know, all, so, so Liz, to your point, what I would say is not every couple – is going to have a lot of contention and arguments because a lot of it depends on personality and background. And in our case, we were two oldest children coming together. So we had a lot of strong beliefs and opinions, you know, about some things that maybe uh, I'm thinking of our youngest daughter right now, who's uh, who's uh, about 20, 21, 22 years old, who may not have as many strong opinions as we did. So part of it's going to depend on personality, but it's super normal. It's very normal to not see everything the same way. In fact, even today, uh, we'll look at each other and we're, you know, we're pushing 60 now, you know, and we'll say, you know what? We just don't see that the same way. And it's okay. You can still be madly in love with each other and not see it the same way. So I thought of it this way, that here's what you would look for. If there's a lot of arguments and disagreement in, in a premarital situation, first of all, you want to just make sure that that's not, the, the, that's not what defines you, right? That, that you're not just doing that all the time. Like if that's just all that you do, I would be a little bit worried about that. But if there's occasional or even regular spats over certain things, I think what you're looking for, number one, is that you can resolve it, right? That's that's what we're really looking for is can you get together and resolve that issue, which is so crucial. And not all issues we're going to resolve. There's some research out there that said that says that every couple will have about 10 things that they will just never resolve. And hopefully those 10 things are are not foundational or fundamental, and it's okay. It's okay to have a, a few things that you just don't agree with. But number two, I think you're looking for humility. I think you're looking for some humility and someone who's willing to apologize and say, you know what, that was so dumb. I can't believe I, I, I got all hyped up over that stupid pickup truck I was going to drive to work or whatever. I'm sure we can work on that, you know, or Anyway, and so, yeah, I think that those are normal, but I think that we can work them out. And anytime couples can work out conflict, that's a healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. So important, Mark. Let's continue that for a minute. Are there 
Um, let's say, you know, someone's seriously dating or they're engaged and they may be listening, or it could be parents, you know, who have children who are seriously dating or engaged. Are there, um, red flags? Are there things that you would suggest? Now I have to pause here and say, you know, it's, it's neither, none of us three, at least on here should probably tell someone whether they should, Oh, you could break this off or not because each situation is going to be a little bit different, but are there some red flags that you think that'd be like, Hey, Let's at least kind of push the brakes a little bit. Let's slow this train down a little bit and take a a look at some things. Um, and if so, if there's some red flags, what would you recommend or suggest that some of those are? Well, I hope you don't mind, but that's called tripping my trigger. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I can talk about that one for the whole the whole time. Yeah, let's, let let's me go. share with you, let me share with you guys an experience really quick, and then I'll I'll, I'll share with you some of these red flags. Um, the, the, and the, just my opinion. I mean, obviously, this isn't a yeah. law or anything, but this is just how I think about it. But a few years ago, a girl knocked on my door at my office at BYU, and she said, "Hey, I'm not, I'm not in any of your classes, but my roommate is." And my roommate said, "I can come and talk to you." So I said, "Okay, great. What, what's going on?" And she just said, "Well, I'm, in, I'm engaged to this guy. Uh, you know, we're supposed to get married in a couple months. His roommates have come to me and said, have you ever seen him mad?'" And I've never really seen him mad, but I have a lot of people telling me that he's got this horrible, like hostile, like raging type temper, you know? And she said, do you have any advice for me? And I said, the only thing I could say is you probably need to see him mad. I mean, you probably need to see that, you know? And she said, well, what do I do? And I said, I, I would never tell you that. I, I definitely don't want a lawsuit on my hands by me telling you, hey, go do this and I said, but you probably need to see him mad. You know, you probably need to see if that's something you can live with. And she sent me an email a couple weeks later and said, hey, I just thought you'd like to know that I made him mad. And uh, we're not getting married. The relationship is over, you know. And so obviously that'd be an example of kind of extreme anger. Um, this summer uh, I had an interesting experience. I was able to meet with an extended family member who had just gone through a divorce after not even a year of marriage. And I sat down and said, do you mind if I just take notes and you just, I want to hear every red flag, you know? And, and then 20 years earlier, we had another extended family member in a relationship like that. And my wife and I made a list of kind of these warning signs, these flares, these red flags. And I'll share, I'll just share some with you, but obviously addictions would be, would be one. And, and I think once again, what you're looking for there is someone who's humble and says, I, you know, I want help. I'm getting help. I'm working on this versus, nope, this is not a problem. Don't worry about it, you know. Number two, people that just have extreme views on things, you know, whatever, whatever what, even if it's religion, uh, if it's politics, if it's, you know, just whatever. Uh, here's one. And a third one was they don't encourage you. They don't build you. You know, they don't build you up. They don't compliment you. They don't praise you. The example that I'm thinking of is that I that I'm aware of is a, engaged couple where the where the girl she sang in church and at, and she had a beautiful singing voice and after she had done singing this guy her fiance came up to her and said i never sing in church again i do not want you to ever ever oh, sing in church well she loved to sing but he said i don't like the idea that other guys are looking at you i i'm the oh. only one that should anyway they broke that relationship off later but um thank goodness yes thank goodness uh, they have a hard time. They monopolize your time. They don't, they, they can't, they can't break away from you. They can't, it's not healthy for them to just take a break and have an hour or two off. They're texting you 95 times a day. 
Uh, they're never wrong. I'd always be really worried about the person who's never wrong or can't apologize. You know, my big one. Yep. That's Here, really here's nice. another funny. I, I, and I know that I'm probably going over time, but I, no, this, I got to tell this story. But there was a couple that I saw a few years ago that, you know, and Dave, you can relate to this. Liz, you can relate to this. But when you're meeting the in-laws for the first time, you want, you probably want to put on your best face, right? You want to really impress the family. And this guy ends up getting in an argument with the grandfather and the father with a board game. They're playing this board game, and he's yelling and screaming at the family. And uh, the, the surprise of that one is that they got married. They still got married despite the concerns of their parents. And, and then they got divorced, you know, they got divorced a short time later, but just how do they get along with your family? You know, how much do they love your family? Um, can they engage with your family in positive ways? Are they lazy? I had a lady once tell me I had no idea that my husband was going to watch TV so much. I did not know that before we got married, you know, character flaws, lying, cheating, immorality, arrogance, narcissism is a, is a big one today. We're just seeing more and more of that, you know, so looking at someone that only thinks of themselves, that can't show empathy, that doesn't seem to care about anyone else. What about being critical? They're just critical of you. They're critical of other people, but they're critical of you. They're critical of your family. They're critical of almost, you know, anything. Um, here's another one, and, and I, I want to be really careful the way that I say this, but mental health issues. What I mean by that is not do they have men a mental health issue. What I mean is, are you equipped to deal with that as, as the spouse? You know, can you help them? I, I had a girl a few years ago come to me and she said, Hey, my fiance has a really pretty severe case of bipolar. Um, and my parents said that you're not getting married until you come and talk to a therapist first. And, uh, I, she just said, what would that be like in marriage? And we just talked about it. And I said, do you think you could do that? And she said, I totally could do that. I know I could do that. That was 20 years ago, and they're happily married today. She knew that she could help with that. So that's awesome. You know, if you just want to be equipped and be able to be the kind of person that could give good support to that. If someone's anxious or depressed, you know, here's another good one. How do your family and friends feel about this person? You know, I, I one time had to say to someone, why don't you go ask your friends what they think and come back and tell me? And they came back and said, every one of them is really scared for me, you know. Uh, do you lie to cover up their flaws? Uh, do they put their own family over you? Uh, they don't really help others. They don't serve other people. Put little effort into the relationship. Don't have a lot of goals or drive or ambition. They don't have seem to have control over their emotions. Anyway, I could go for another hour on that, but those are some those are some basic ones to start with. I think. Hey, Mark, I love that. That list, I wonder, are you willing to share some of that? We could put it on our show notes or on oh, our yeah. page. I can do a cut and paste. Oh, yeah. I've even heard, have you heard this one, how they treat pets? Just oh, how yeah. they Ooh, treat yeah. animals or how do they treat their mom right, right. and those, those types how of things. How do they treat their family? Oh, yeah, that's big. Yeah. Big yeah. There's a, yeah, a, a wonderful quotation, and I can't remember who said it, but how they – speaking to the wives, but how they treat their mothers may really reflect on how they will treat you one day. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Even wait staff, right. When you're out in a restaurant. Yeah. How they treat oh, yeah. Staff. Totally true. Just how they treat people. Right. So, yeah. I love the one about meeting your family. I have to laugh. I'm going to tell myself here before I introduce Ben to my family that's local here in Utah. 
which is my aunt, who's closest thing to mom that I have because my parents are both deceased. I took him shopping. I'm embarrassed to tell you about this and everybody else. I took him shopping in Nordstrom's. We got some new clothes for this man. Isn't that terrible? He was really open to it. It wasn't just me. Surviving like, it, right? Oh, gosh. Let's, let's put our best foot forward, like, like you say. Right. And then there's something to dating, Mark. I don't know if you like this, about kind of putting your worst honest foot forward, right? Because if I put my worst... Best foot forward all the time. I know I've got the stinky foot still back there, right? It's going to show itself anytime. And that's an important part, Liz, I think, where you reach a point in the relationship where you can actually not be entertaining each other. You can just be with each other and you're totally happy. We don't have to be at our best dress. We we can be kind of lounging around the house doing our homework together. And we just love being together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Let me, can I throw one, one more out there that I'm thinking, Liz and uh, Mark, and that is today's couples. If one is really into social media, like taking a picture of, of me, 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 or taking, you know, having to post everything. And the other one is like, man, I don't like social media, you know, quit posting. Not like it's a red flag, but at least, at least discuss it. Now, if they're both on the same page, Hey, go for us. But that one, it just feels like is maybe somewhat new. Any, any thoughts on that one? Well, we know that uh, there's a lot of research now coming out of just showing the negative effects of social media and cell phones on marriage and family relationships. And a lot of people, I would, I wish I knew the number. It'd be incredible to know this, but it feels like 80 to 90% of our nation is addicted to their phone and don't know it. They, they would all say that they're not addicted, but they can't not have it in their hand. And so I think, Dave, to your point, with every one of these red flags or, or, Flipped another way, working on good foundational pieces, right? Like, you know, as we date each other, what if we went and served somebody or did something for someone or babysat someone's kids? Or what if we went and built something together? Or what if we went and volunteered at a, you know, some, you know, some kind of facility to help people? The key to all of it, I think, is conversation, right? If, if you, even if you're on a spiritual level, even if you went to some kind of religious meeting, and left there holding hands together and just went to the next thing. To me, that was worthless. You know, the, the key is you have to talk about it now, you know? And so with that social media example you just gave, okay, let's sit down and talk about each other's feelings about, about social media, because my feeling, I'm just pretending like I'm in this role play now. Right. But yeah, yeah. I would be saying if I was that person you just described uh, that, you know, my feeling is that you're on social media so much. I don't think you recognize it. And I feel like, you're ignoring me a lot and I, I don't want to feel that way, but what do you think about it? And, and let's have a great conversation about it and see where it goes. And uh, most people, it feels like with social media, when they're called on it a little bit and someone notices how much they're on it, they want to change that a little bit. Most people would, you know? Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's a great, great, great question. Dude. Yeah. Now that the marriage has happened, Mark, let's see. Now this couple's in their first year of marriage. What does that look like? What are the patterns and topics that couples struggle with that first year? And what can they do about it? What comes up typically? You, are you guys minding my stories yet? Or are my stories? Oh, I love your love stories. It. Can we, can yeah. we give those to you? I love this. Um, yeah, we got three more hours. Let's keep going. <laughs> well, I think that's a great question. And once again, I want to be careful because I don't want anyone to think that there's a one size fits all look to that. In fact, sometimes I'll hear people say things like this. Oh, my gosh. I hated when our kids were teenagers. That was the worst, you know? And I remember thinking, really? That was the best. I thought that was the best time ever when our kids, I'd go back to that any day, you know? And 
I've heard the same thing with newlyweds, you know, oh my gosh, that first year of marriage, that was so horrific. And I remember thinking how incredible that was, right? Uh, I think for us, it became a lot more challenging was when I was in graduate school, and we had children, no one told us how hard that was going to be, right? But but anyway, and so I do think that for every couple, that could be a little bit different, what it, what it looks like. But it can be an incredible time of life. This is a wonderful opportunity to develop new customs and traditions. And and how, how, what's going to define us? What are we going to – we get to decide right now what we're going to be about as a team. We get to just pick. Isn't that great to live in a country you get to, where you can just pick that, right? So, well, here's my story. So – um, our son is somewhat of a, uh, I kind of describe him as a caveman, but he also has a, a really awesome romantic side too, I'm, I'm sure. But um, our son played football for BYU a few years ago. And, and so his wife is Amanda, and we were driving from here to Boise to play Boise State that, that evening on like a Friday night game. So it was just my wife and I and Amanda in the car. And they had been married, our son and Amanda, for just a couple of months and I said, Amanda, how's Brandon doing? Just tell us. Because if he's not good, doing good, I'll talk to him, right? And, yeah. and uh, she goes, no, he's great. He's, he's great. She goes, it's just, she kind of paused and she said, I guess I just kind of expected a lot. <laughs> a lot more from marriage, you know. And expectations could be, as you guys know, a whole other show. I go, oh, what do you mean? And she said, well, before we were married, I would go, uh, I would go to Smith's, the grocery store here, and the couples would literally, it was like a musical, right? The couples are literally going up and down the aisles, trolling each other around and, and dancing and singing. And that's probably an exaggeration, but that's kind of how she saw it. They, they were so happy and they were shopping together and it was this cool romantic thing. And, and the first uh, few days they were married, she said to our son, Hey, Brandon, let's, uh, we need to go to the store. We don't have any food. And he said, okay, uh, yeah, go, go, go ahead and go. And she goes, no, I mean, like together. And he's like, well, I'm not, I'm not going to the store. I hate the store. You just, you just go. And, uh, and she said, no, we're supposed to go together. And you know how that end anyway, it just didn't end real well. And so she went to the store by herself. And, uh, once again, the, the shoppers that are twirling each other around or bouncing into her and, and, uh, she sees all these romantic couples and just thinks, oh my gosh. Well, what she's learned over the years is that there's a lot of things that he does that are amazing. Right. And with their children and with their home, but he just doesn't like going to the store. But that first week of marriage, she thought, oh, my gosh, we're in trouble, right? So some of the most common areas of adjustment for newlyweds would be this, I think. And this is just an opinion, but definitely in-laws and parents. And often someone will say, well, I'm not worried about that. My parents live in Florida. But today with technology and our phones and, and Zoom and everything else, that doesn't matter. They can still interfere in your life. And we see that, you know, often. So that's one area. Finances would obviously be another. Most of us have never had to share our financial life with another person. And the way that we spend money is often a, uh, has a lot to do with our personalities, but it also has a lot to do with our backgrounds and where we came from and how we were raised. Uh, friendships, that's one that we didn't talk about 30 or 40 years ago. But now you get married and your friendships may change or not. But a lot of social media defines that a little bit. Do we still maintain relationships with past boyfriends and girlfriends, or do we still want to hang out with high school friends who aren't married, even though we're married or, or things like that. Intimacy would be another one for sure. That's a new area for a lot of couples. Um, and, uh, number five, I just put children and parenthood, just 
When do we want to become parents? Do we want to become parents? If we do become parents, what kind of parents do we want to be? Household responsibilities. Uh, I put for number six. This is a huge one because we live in a world today where women work now more than ever before and men work. But guess what? The research says that women still do most of the housework, even though they're both working even the same amount of hours in some cases, but women still end up getting getting the lion's share of, of the household duties. And so uh, one research w- researcher has said that is the number one area of conflict today is over household duties. It's not money. It's not intimacy. It's household duties. And then the last one I put is just how we communicate. We have to learn how we communicate. We call it metacommunication, right, of talking about how you communicate with each other and how we resolve conflict. And it's just amazing that we get, most of us get paid in our professions to solve conflicts in some way or resolve problems. But then in our, in our own marriages, we're often terrible at it. You know, we do it so well in almost every other area except in marriage and family. So those are the ones that I would anticipate in a, in a new marriage, that first year of marriage or the first couple of years of marriage that a lot of couples have to work through. And by the way, for some couples, it just goes really well. It just They just kind of just cruise right through those seven areas and other couples, it's really choppy water. Yeah. I I love those. I think uh, in my mind, what comes to my mind as you're going through those is this, uh, the quote, comparison is a thief of joy. As soon as we start comparison, we heard, man, they have the best first year of marriage and ours is really rough. Maybe we're, (laughs) we're in trouble, but to not not compare, right. To all these other um, couple, everyone's first year, second year, all their years, it's going to be different. And so be careful of that. I do want to follow up on one question, then we'll get close here to wrapping up, Mark. And that is the, the potential boundary. Okay, issue. you mentioned this one with parents and in-laws or outlaws in some cases. <laughs> the What is it? Because I think we're going to have some listeners who are going to need to approach that with their parents and in-laws and maybe some parents and in-laws who you know, need to almost hear this from you. How do those boundaries um, change a little bit after after the marriage for a couple? Such a great question. <laughs> and we have seven uh, married children, so I think that uh, we've kind of watched this closely and and tried to and tried to do good with it. So um, I would say there's both parties have responsibility here, right? So on the side of the parents, I think what parents need to do, is be willing to let their children grow up and be adults and back off a little bit and give them some room and give them some space. One of the ways that we've done that is almost all of our married children have uh, lived here for a while because most of them have been in school when they when they got married. But we always wanted them to know that, look, we're having dinner this Sunday or Saturday. We're doing this activity this week. You are totally invited, but if you can't come, we get it. Don't feel any pressure. Um and uh, and we think that's been really helpful to them. So on the parent side, let's back up. Let's give them some space. Let's let them learn how to be married uh, without us in their hair, so to speak. And uh, but also let's be there to be their their cheerleaders and their great support team. And whenever we're doing something, let's invite them if if they want to come. But if they don't, it's just not the end of the world, you know. On the side of the of the, of the young married couple, this is even more complex a little bit. But now. You're they're adults, right? They're technically adults now. And so what we're looking for is the principle of reciprocity, right? That it has to benefit the relationship should not be a one way relationship. Up until this point, the relationship has been kind of one direction. Now, I don't mean that completely, but for the most part, 
parents give and give and give and don't receive much in return, unless it's like Mother's Day or Father's Day or birthday or something. But um, and, and I hope I'm saying that right, because, of course, we're getting something out of it. But for the most part, parents are the givers. Now that a couple is married, it's important that they're giving back to the relationship, too. That's how you show that you're an adult. You could help pay for the dinner. You could help do the dishes when you come over. You could help get something ready for, for the Christmas thing that's coming up or whatever. So one dad told me this story. He was thinking of having his adult married couple live in their, their one of their children live in their basement. And then the dad just asked this great question. He said, just tell me how I would benefit by you living here. And they couldn't come up with one thing. They couldn't come up. And all he said I was looking for is all they had to say is, oh, we'll help with the dishes. We'll help make dinner. We'll help uh, rake the leaves or shovel the snow. But they couldn't come up with anything. And so the dad said, you know what? This probably wouldn't work, you know. So we're looking for that principle of reciprocity with the younger couple where, okay, guys, you're adults now too. So let's see you step up and you take the initiative in some of the relationship and you do some big, big adult things yourself. Invite your parents to dinner. Uh, do something for them, you know, show them how much you care about them. It can't just be a, we often talk about one way relationships. That's not a relationship. A relationship goes two directions. If it's, if it's one way, it's not a relationship. Yeah. Especially that as That is now. beautiful. Ah, yeah. We could do a whole segment on that, don't you think? Yeah. Oh, I think so. You bet. In, in your mind, my friend, what is that we'd like to ask all of our guests is, what is the key to a stronger marriage connection, please, Mark? Well, I thought it was so cool that you guys had Bill Dotery on, because I think he's the king of that, you know. But when I, you know, when I think about it, you know, here's one of the things that we see with young married couples. They do all these incredible things while they're engaged, right? They're they're bungee jumping off the bridge. They're getting catapult, catapulted out of the cannon, you know, or whatever. I mean, they're doing all these crazy activities. They're eating out. They're going to concerts and movies. And they are, it, it is like this incredible adventure. And then they get married. And two weeks later, it all that just stops. And we get busy with school and with work and whatever else our responsibilities are. And then we wonder and scratch our heads two months later why, wow, it was so great to be engaged. And now all of a sudden, this feels kind of like, uh, like uh, what, just uh, home, kind of home, serious. right? I guess, <laughs> I guess in some ways. And so the first thing, Liz, yeah. I would say is how about keeping up the practices that cause you to fall in love in the first place? You know, that we engage in all those activities. We don't stop dating each other. We, we need to date each other now more than we ever have. We continue to write notes to each other. We surprise each other. We give each other those love notes and those love texts. We express love and compliments and praise and all the things that we did, you know, before we were married, it just has to continue. Uh, what happens is we just get apathetic, right? We just get super comfortable with each other, I think. And uh, we need to work on that. In fact, I, I was just, I knew that we were going to talk about this the other day. And I thought, you know, on Saturday, my wife and I worked in the yard all day and cleaned the garage. Now, can you imagine if that was our first date? And she said, well, now, what are we going to do today? And I said, oh, you're going to love this. Uh, you know, of course, we were eating at the nicest restaurant and uh, doing this great activity after. But now you've been married for a while. We're cleaning the garage for our time together, you know. And so so I love uh, what uh, Dr. Bill Dotery talks about is that we need – you know, I think he talked to you guys about it a little bit too, but I love his talk on we need a really good greeting ritual. Good greeting rituals would be great. Let's identify and, and make up one as a brand new married couple that will provide strength and connection. He said every couple should have a talk ritual. 
And I think as I, as I listened to him with you guys, he talked about he and his wife having the kids clean up the dinner and they're drinking tea together. And, and then on the time together ritual, you know, I think of their hot tub story, right. Of them having a hot tub that every night they, they sat in and they just talked at the end of every night. But even if couples go on a walk, you know, or something, but having those greeting rituals, those talk rituals and time together rituals, I think will keep a marriage connected. And we're so busy and the world is so crazy that we've, we have to have rituals now to keep us connected. I think just like Bill Dodery talks about. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Oh man, Mark, our discussion has been um, so, so amazing. So much that we've been able to, to talk about so important. Hey, I know listeners are going to want to know, man, I, I want to know more. Where can I go more to find out about, uh, Mark Ogletree and, you know, preparing for, for marriage and this surviving this first year of marriage websites, information, where can they find more about you? Yeah, I think just at markogletree.com. So it's just my name, just markogletree.com is our website. And then the preservingfamilies.org will be, uh, will be tackling some of these issues as well. Awesome. Yeah. Well, man, Hey, before we let you go, we like to have a, a takeaway of the day, something that you hope the audience will remember from, from our discussion uh, today. What's your takeaway of the day? Well, the takeaway that I'd like to focus on really quickly, I'll do this as quick as I can, but I think there's a profound thought here. Uh, Dave came from something you said about comparison being a thief of joy. So I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Blaine Bowers' book, Beyond the Myth of Marital Happiness, but there's a story in there that I love so much because it's about comparison. In that book, he tells a story of a boy who grew up thinking that his mom and dad had a terrible marriage. They never held hands. They never showed affection. Uh, they just didn't seem to to do that kind of stuff. And he was watching these movies and thinking, oh, my gosh, all in these movies, these couples are madly in love. That's just not what my parents have. And then he told the shared the experience of living on a farm and having a massive storm come through their area so much so that it flooded and it flooded. The waters were so high that they the parents put this son in, in the attic. So he's up in the attic and his parents are out gathering the animals. The lightning cracks and you know how that happens. And when the lightning flashes, all of a sudden it was pitch black outside in the dark of night. But all of a sudden the entire horizon lights up. And what he sees is his mom and dad together, you know, wading through water up to their waist and they're holding on to each other. And mom's got a couple animals in her, her arms and dad's got a couple in his and they're, and they're just forging through this water and he said, I will never forget that scene for the rest of my life. At, from that point on, I never, ever doubted that my mom and dad were madly in love with each other. So love uh, and, and affection may look different in every relationship. Don't worry about it. What's What works for you all is what works. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's Beautiful. great. Wow. <laughs> Liz, what about you? What's your takeaway from today? Well, you know, what works for me is working in the yard and cleaning the garage. That is my love language. To me, that sounds like fun. Nothing feels better. Like you said, we're all so different, right? To me, that is fun and it feels so good to, to be accomplishing something together. I love that. But every, every couple is different. That's my takeaway. Fun, what's fun to one is different fun to another. <laughs> yeah. Talk about those things. Yeah. You know, my, my takeaway today comes back to probably, um, you mentioned this at the beginning, Mark, is that humility. Important to be humble, to be open to to change, to differences, you know, our expectations. But I think that's one is expect respect. I mean, that one is, I think it's really important. Expect that respect in the relationship. 
But it's the, I come back to the three C's, the commitment, the compassion. And then our podcast is about that, that emotional connection, strengthening that connection, doing those little things um, for each other, being open, humble, compassionate, positive, super important. Oh, my friend, um, we certainly, we go on hours and hours and hours. <laughs> we could have episodes on this, on this topic. Um, Mark, we sure appreciate you, your insights, your time. Um, it's been uh, an, an awesome discussion today. So thank you so much. So great to be with both of you. Thank you so much for what you've shared as well. It's been an honor. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> you bet. Yeah, well, that's that's all for now uh, from us here at the Stronger Marriage Connection. We hope you'll uh, join us next time for another episode. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, do us a favor and take a few minutes to subscribe to our podcast and the Utah Marriage Commission YouTube channel where you can watch this and every episode of the show. When you hit the like button and leave a comment, your feedback helps us improve the show. And don't forget to share this episode with a friend. You can also follow and connect with us on Instagram at Stronger Marriage Life and on Facebook at Stronger Marriage. Be sure to share with us what topics you want us to explore and what you loved about today's episode. If you want even more resources to improve your relationship connection, visit our website at StrongerMarriage.org where you'll find free workshops, webinars, relationship surveys, and more. Each episode of Stronger Marriage Connection is hosted and sponsored by the Utah Marriage Commission at Utah State University. And finally, a big thanks to our producers, Rex Polanis and Alexis Alcott, and the team at Utah State University. And you, our audience, you make this show possible. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.